So I have just one question about Remember Me. Why didn't they fix the problem with dryer sheets? Static warp bubble? Come on. I still don't get what the techno babble meant on this episode, so... It doesn't matter. (laughs) This is, I think, our first Beverly Crusher episode. It's the first one I can think of, and it's pretty much just the Beverly Crusher show. She, yeah, I, I hadn't remembered a lot about this one. Irony. But uh, it was good, I think. I feel that, no, I feel the same way about it. Like, I, I, I think the, I think it is a problem when I don't understand what's going on as far as the mechanics of the plot. Again, when they're talking, oh, static war bubbles, and Wesley's going to, you know, dream his way into saving, you know, and all of that stuff. Like, You're going to have a lot of fun with Voyager. I know, I know. And it's like, I know Star Trek does this, and I know it gets worse as the franchise goes on. But at the same time, it does not make for a satisfying narrative in a way. Um, Just because it, it, it feels very half-assed and it doesn't give that sense of clicking at the end that certain things do yeah the episode i think is generally very good yeah on a character level on what's happening to dr crusher i like all of that that's fine and that's good even it's um it's very high concept obviously and it's i think an episode that that I'll disagree with you a little bit. I, I don't really think that there's a lot of character stuff in here. Um, I certainly don't think that the episode is trying to say anything about Beverly Crusher really or her fears or her concerns or, or anything of that nature. Uh, you know, it's... You well, know, it, this it, is one of the few, I would say, episodes in which it makes a difference that it's Crusher instead of Pulaski. Because... Well, yeah, that's true. You know, this is an episode about Crusher's worst fear turns out to be the loss of everybody that she holds dear. And, you know, she has she does have this sense of loss about her husband and she does, you know, fear losing her son. And she does have this relationship with the captain and she, you know, and all of these her connections to people are different than Pulaski's were, even allowing for the fact that. You know, Pulaski had two fewer has had two fewer seasons with everybody at this point. Um, she's a little more of a lone wolf in a sense. I I feel Pulaski is, and so this wouldn't be her worst fear, or her her version of this bubble would be very different. Let's say I think that's true, and I but I think it's interesting because if you look at the way that Beverly Crusher is portrayed in this episode and and, and throughout the series, frankly, you know I think you're right. She is much more of a lone wolf than Pulaski was. Pulaski was very interested in uh, talking to the crew members to make, make, making relationships with them. Yeah. You know she she had a very nice relationship with Worf. She developed a relationship with Data. You know she had she and Troy were very close. She and Troy were close. So I think that you know she was much more involved with the crew members than than Beverly Crusher is. I think Beverly Crusher is the kind of person who spends a lot of time working, frankly. Well, just to... You know, think about, you know, think about the fact that she left for a season, you know, ostensibly to go head Starfleet Medical. You know, that's a pretty important job. She's obviously not a workaholic, but she works hard. And I think she kind of keeps herself apart from a lot of this. And so... Well, just as Picard is the captain, she's the ship's doctor in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think her relate... She relates to the people as a doctor's caring for her patients and caring about the well-being of them. I mean, she cares about everybody very much, and this episode 
makes it very clear that she does have deep emotional ties to everybody. But at the same time, you know, I think she does, you know, she's more worried about their health and their welfare than she is about their inner lives. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a problem that this episode doesn't really tell us much about her, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because one of the problems I've always had with Dr. Crusher is that she doesn't really have much of a character, you know, she she's there. She certainly is competent in her job. She has relationships. She and Troy do space gymnastics sometimes <laughs> and talk about, talk boys. about boys. But aside from that, you know, I, you know, and she's kind of defined by the men in her life, which I think is a problem as well. Yeah. You know, she's defined by her relationship with Picard. She's defined by her relationship with her son. And she's defined by her relationship with her dead husband. You know, it she may they may as well call her Dr. Widow. Yeah. And so... You know, and at the very end of the episode as well, I think it's a it's it's problematic that the the sort of capper of the episode is that she's about to say something to Doctor not to, not to Doctor to to Captain Picard like Wesley's your son ostensibly like look we, yeah. we need to fucking get this over with or whatever she was going to say probably in a much more polite and and sort of like early nineties way on like syndicated television, <laughs> uh, but she doesn't because he disappears and so I think that it is an issue that the show keeps harping on the fact that she needs men in her life. Do you know what I mean? I mean, here's the thing. Like, well, I'm, I'm thinking about the scene when she's, you know, saying like, Oh, well there's data. He sits there. He wants to be human. You know, Troy, she loves chocolate. You hate, you hate her mother, you know, Worf. he's a cling, you know, like, and she's going into all of the different people. And she has like these, you know, this like one or two sentence, like very quick description of them. And I can't think of one for Crusher. Yeah, I yeah, she's redheaded and she has a son like and she's a doctor like that's, you know, and she has a good bedside manner. I yeah, guess. Like, I don't know. We yeah, we know she's an excellent doctor. We know she is, you know, very in, in this episode specifically we see her. I mean, she she figures out everything more or less on her own. And, you know, she is very scientifically minded. She is very, you know, that all makes sense. But. We don't get a sense of, you know, compared to we know a little bit of who Pulaski is outside of the job. You know, we see she likes to hold her office hours and tend forward. She's had, I mean, Pulaski has had a lot of men in her life, but is not defined by them in a way. Um, she's very. In fact, I would say she she's the opposite. Yeah. You she, know, she almost said, you know, she she kind of implies that that's why the relationships kind of fail, because she doesn't want, you know, she's too lone, loner in that way. You know, she's very interested in Klingon culture, you know, and things like that. Like that, she has more to her than Crusher in L.A. does. Again, I like I like Pulaski a lot more. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting that you keep talking about Dr. Pulaski yeah. in the Beverly Crusher episode. Yeah. You know, because you're right. She, I, I don't know who she is. I, I don't get a sense of what her internal life is like. I don't get a sense of, of we don't know of that, any hobbies she has. Like, I guess the scene where she, the space gymnastics scene, you know, this, this is actually making me realize why that scene was that ridiculous because, you know, it's one thing that Troy was doing it, but I can't ever picture Dr. Crusher having that much of a personality. You know? Yeah. Like, I think, you know, Troy could certainly get into a point where she's being silly and giggly. Like, yes, she could get into that mood, but yeah, Crusher wouldn't do that. Crusher doesn't seem like the the the, the, cl- the closeness, you know, that they have like a girlfriend type of relationship seemed to come out of nowhere in that scene. It's not in her character. 
Yeah, it seemed like that was the kind of scene that that the writer thought should be yeah. in there, and so they needed two females, and well, they have two females, so let's make that scene happen, whether or not it makes any sense whatsoever. It would have made more sense had Yar still been alive if Yar and Troy had had that scene, you know? like I mean, I think it would have been more interesting, you know, because I think, you know, we haven't talked a lot about sort of the plot of the episode. Yeah. We never really talk about the plot of the episode that much, but this is a very plot heavy episode. Yeah. There it's, is no subplot. There's no B plot. No, there's no B plot. Well, I mean, if you consider the stuff with the traveler B plot, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I guess what the, they're doing on the real enterprise. Yeah. But given that it's kind of the other half of the a plot, it's, it's, yeah, it's it is it's, very directly related. You it's, know. it's a plus, I guess. We yeah. Can, we, I just made that term up. So thank you, uh, AV Club. Start using that. Um, no, I think it's it's funny because you know if you look at the plot of the episode, it's very sort of perfunctory. It runs through its mm-hmm. beats. You know, it's it's good. It's very engaging. You're wondering what's happening. Everybody gets some snappy one liners. It's good, you know. Yeah. And, and, and but at the same time, you know, it's a, I think it's it's sort of a missed opportunity because you watch the episode and you're like, well, this is entertaining and I like this and there's some good stuff going yeah. on in here, but. At the end of the day, it doesn't tell us anything about Dr. Crusher. It, it's the first episode that has been her episode. And we don't come out of it with any more knowledge of who this character is or what her motivations are than we went into it. And I think that's really a problem. You know, I guess you could argue that we find out that she's afraid of people disappearing or whatever. I mean, okay, but at the same time, you know, but- that seemed to be driven more by uh dr quace's talking to her yeah. about the people in his life dying than anything yeah. else and so it was already on her mind obviously she's thinking about, and she's obviously thinking about her husband as she says herself you know y- yeah it wasn't the right you know same amount of time but i know exactly what it's like to you know lose you know a loved one and yeah you know uh, and she's looking at her son and she's thinking oh god if you know my son's a Starfleet ensign, you know, what if something happens to him? What if, you know, how is he going to feel if something, you know? So, yes, that's where her cycle is. And that's, you know, in a way it doesn't tell us about anything about Crusher specifically because every single person fears losing the ones they love. Like anybody who has... It's very generic. ...lost a lot. Yeah, which, you know, which doesn't make it, you know, any less of a relevant theme to go on, certainly, but it doesn't give us any more you're right well yeah because let's let's try a thought exercise you know let let's swap out dr crusher with another member of the main cast say geordie for example would the episode work with him i think it would you know i i think it would have worked with anybody because anybody fears losing people they love yeah and you know frankly it may have been a little bit better if they had given it some more shading i don't know well you know this is the kind of episode that would make more sense with it, it it would give us more if it was Worf in this episode, and we realize that you know these Worf has forged these deep connections with you know people, and you know that that's something that doesn't seem like something we know about Worf, you know, really, or something that he really does keep hidden, but would be kind of nice to know that he would grieve these people in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of assumed with Crusher. I hate to say. And I think, you know, if if you look at what we know, the limited information we have about Dr. Crusher's personality, you know, obviously, okay, we have to take this episode on face value. We have to say, okay, well, she has this fear of losing yeah. people she she's close to. All right, fine. She obviously has some sort of relationship or feelings for Picard, okay? Mm-hmm. She also seems to have... I don't want to say like an undercurrent of, of anger within her, but she seems to not exactly be the happiest person. I mean, she snapped at Wesley quite a bit. I think she snaps at him even in this episode. You know, she she seems kind of 
you know, a little unhinged, let's say, uh, a little brusque. Uh, she, and, I mean, to be, you know, I think we can be charitable and say she's has a high stress job. You know, it, yeah, it makes it. It's not. I'm not shocked that she tends to go there quickly. You know? And I kind of feel like you know there could have been a version of Doctor Crusher which explored this sort of like emotionally unavailable sort of closed off person who was very hurt by the death of her husband who, you know, was hurt by the fact that her son decided to stay on the enterprise as opposed to go with her to to earth for a year, you know, who, who her son seems to have a much stronger relationship with men who he's not even related to than her, his own mother, you know, and, and she's very cut off. She has this job, which, you know, puts her, in a in a in a space where people are constantly coming to her for attention and then leaving once they're better or dying or dying right and so i can kind of see a version of this character that's very interesting but they they don't do anything with it in this episode and i think this would have been a good opportunity to do it it's not like she's the kind of person who has just had a you know had a bunch of shitty things happen to her and is in a high stress job and kind of puts a wall just as her own you know, that's how she gets through her days. She, you know, is a little aloof. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily always believe her bedside manner in some ways. Like, I almost feel like it's, perfor- you know, she know- she knows how to be, you know, how to do good bedside manner because, you know, she is that good of a doctor. But it feels less, it's less intuitive for her. You know, maybe, you know, performing surgery is something she was able to pick up immediately, you know calming somebody down when she has to tell them bad news is something she had to study really hard. Yeah, I think so. And you I, know. you know, and that's not a, a failing of hers. I think, no. I mean, the fact that she's able to, to learn to do that is indicative of something. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, that's the thing, you know, that uh, bedside manner is tough for doctors, you know, and that it's really interesting that again, Troy specifically mentioned good bedside manner is something about Dr. Pulaski in that, in her season at one point, you know? Yeah. I, it was kind of mentioned as a defining characteristic that we've never, anytime somebody has talked about crusher skills, you know, that's never been particularly one of their hers. And I think the thing about it too, is that I like Dr. Crusher. Yes. You know, I think she's, she's personable. She's likable. You know, she's got a little bit of a wit to her. Yeah. You know, there, there are elements to the, and I think a lot of it is, is frankly due to the performance of Gates McFadden. Cause I don't think she's given a lot of material to yeah. work with. And the fact that she's able to sort of give Dr. Crusher this, this spark of life, um, w- you know, with this material that this kind of limp is is something she's somebody that i would really like to have as a doctor i think if i was facing something really serious yeah because i think she would not sugarcoat any of the information she would perform whatever procedures with a high degree of competence and she would make sure you knew exactly what was you know and those are the kinds of things i like in a doctor i think she would be good at that yeah i think so absolutely and i like dr pulaski is who i would like to come by for my yearly checkup yeah, that could be. And I think, you know, this episode really shows us that she, I mean, she knows what she's doing. She's smart. She can figure things out. You know, she's very yeah. tenacious. You can kind of see why she makes a good doctor because, you know, it would be very easy for her to just sort of give up, but she doesn't, yeah. right? She's constantly saying, this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, and it is very creepy, right? I mean, she's she's being faced with sort of yeah. a situation that that would drive some of us 
a little insane. Yeah. You know, people that are obviously um, changing their information on a, on the fly and believing the information is changing. You know, the thing yeah. about the, the constantly dropping crew compliment of the Enterprise, for example. You know, and then, of course, when they finally get to the end and it's just her and Picard. You yeah, know, he says, "Well, we've never needed a crew before." You know, like yeah, and and so like, to- yeah, and she has to logic herself again. She's that you know, I love that, which is that you know, I wouldn't be able, I can't do this mission on my own. You know, I don't have the skills, so therefore something's wrong. Like she's, but she kind of logics herself into realizing she's not crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I I think that more than anything is, I mean that that's a character note. That's a very interesting character note for her. I think so. And I think that, you know, maybe that's just who Dr. Crusher is. You know, yeah. she she is more logical than emotional. Uh, again, she's a scientist. She's going to she's she's going about this as she would diagnose a disease in a patient in a way. I think. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. that's true. What are the symptoms? Is this in line with this other thing I'm observing? You know, do these facts add up if they don't add up? What's the re- you know, these two facts, if they're you know, if they're if my theory is wrong, then I have to change the theory. You know, it's. She doesn't stay on the confusion. Right. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, once she figures out yeah. that the universe is, you know, the sphere 705 meters yeah. in diameter, you know, like she's like, okay, this is obviously not right. Um, leaving aside Dr. Crusher, because I think that, you know, the stuff in the episode that is with her is very good. And then once the episode sort of you, cause you're not really sure what's happening in the episode. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be as off balance as she is. Yeah, I think. Is- and then, once you hit that sort of 30 minute mark, you know, suddenly we're back on the real enterprise and the traveler is there. Yeah. Which I was surprised to see again, more continuity that I didn't expect. Yeah. And this is something that I want to discuss with you because, you know, you talked about, uh, Wesley, I think in last week's episode or an episode before, you know, kind of like, okay, well, he's going to be a competent Starfleet officer and he's just going to do his thing and stuff. And now you've got the Traveler coming back and you've got the Traveler saying he has some sort of destiny mystical or myst- yeah. Yeah, mystical powers. And he's able to sort of, I don't know what, you know, fade in and out of he's existence He's able to or wish whatever. his mother back into space. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about that? I, 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 I. Uh... This is where I was saying the techno babble just kind of we needed a solution and we did it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really. I liked the Traveler episode, the Kaczynski episode. What was that called again? Where no one has gone before. I liked that episode. Um, I think it's one of the one of the decent first season episodes. Yeah. Um, I thought it had a lot more to it than it did at first glance. This I thought the Traveler's relationship to Wesley and his catalyst in the whole – because, I mean, let me put it this way. Everybody agrees that Wesley is very bright, very gifted. Again, is there is not a person on the Enterprise who does not think that, you know, Wesley has a bright future ahead of him. You know, he is going to – sure. You know, if Wesley ends up being a captain, nobody is going to end up being surprised one of these days. Sure. Um, the Traveler is the only person who says he's gone above and beyond that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the Traveler is the only one who seems to believe in this magical air. And while part of that is simply that, you know, the Traveler does talk about perceiving, you know, things that ordinarily people can't and... You know, supposedly he and Wesley are two of the few people on the Enterprise who can do this, you know, or the only. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what exactly the nature of these powers are. I don't think the show does. I think whenever the Traveler appears, that's somebody who likes Wesley a little too much just trying to kind of make him even magical now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure to what degree the show understands what's happening either. Yeah. You know, it it's funny because giving Beverly Crusher this episode was one thing. Tying it into Kaczynski and the warp field, you know, experiments way back from the first season is another thing. And that's something the show is becoming increasingly comfortable at doing. Which I thought was a nice gesture, actually. Yeah, and we've, and we've talked about that yeah, before. I like know, that it of. doesn't forget about stuff that happened. But anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a different way to approach the yeah. past in a show, right? And then you bring the Traveler back, I think, more because they wanted to bring the Traveler back than, yeah. than anything else. And... You know, frankly, I think they're complicating uh, Wesley's character a bit. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, they did talk about it and where no one has gone before. And I think even going back to, you know, the third season premiere evolution with Dr. Stubbs and kind of talking about it's very difficult to be this, you know, genius and you're going to have problems in your life and all these kind of things. You know, it's not something that the show has forgotten. No. But I don't ever think it's something that the show has had a clear understanding of either yeah again the most of the time we see wesley again we we think that he's at this point in his life surpassing everybody and he's he's got into a very high level very early on but again eventually at some point he's going to kind of even out with everybody else you know by the time he's in his 20 you know in his 20s and his 30s he's going to be you know, again, he'll he'll be in a very good position. He will be doing very well in whatever job he goes to, but he's not going to be, you know, he's not superhuman. This is suggesting that he is always going to be somehow marked and special, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the, sh- the show doesn't know what that means, and so they talk about it in these vague, you know, kind of new agey psychic almost terms. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Well, I think I'll give this one five static warp bubbles i would give it i don't know see when i watched it i said it was a solid four and i mean yeah i think i'm with that that's where i am all right well let's move on to legacy which is the return sort of of tasha yar yeah again i and this i like very much because while when Yar died, I thought that I really thought that that would be the end of this character, and they've mi- they've almost gone out of their way to make her death very meaningful to the characters and to the show. Like they've taken this event, and instead of you know, again, you you have a character killed off like that. Usually, uh, you know, especially with a contract negotiation, that's kind of a she's never coming back, and we never want, but. This death did affect everybody, and it continues to affect everybody. And, you know, it's not something that people think of every day, but every so often something happened which reminds us of Tasha Yar. And she was a definite presence in their lives. And it's a shame that she's affected the show more deeply by her absence than by her presence because, again, first season problems. But I think it does very well for the character that she does have this effect by her absence. Yeah, I think that's very well put. And one of the things I think is interesting about Legacy and, and one of the things that I'm I'm finding interesting about the beginning of the fourth season as a whole is 
the show seems to now be really interested in grappling with the past in a yeah. way that it, it, it really hasn't before. You know, if you look at family, you yeah. look at brothers, you know, you look at um, at the last episode we just talked about, sudden, uh, uh, Remember Me. And they're, they're taking family very important. Well, that's, in this. Yeah. that's what I'm saying yeah. is like they're, they're sort of revisiting the families of all of the people yeah. uh, on the ship. Um, I'm not sure to what to, I'm not sure that there was any sort of grand plan in mind there, but I just think it's it's a sign that the show is sort of increasingly confident in the stories that it's trying to tell, and that it's trying to be a sort of yeah family driven, emotionally satisfying show. Well, it's interesting because yeah, that is the opposite to what original series did, and again, the whole thing with Wrath of Khan is that you know Kirk made an impulsive decision which turned out to have unforeseen consequences and this is kind of one of the first times that he's actually having to deal with these with consequences we really never see him dealing with consequences in another episode and we're seeing so many times that even when you think something is done well then Tashiar has a sister or you know you know Picard saving himself from the Borg hasn't solved his problems with his upbringing you know like all of the, you know, it, it, it takes these, these are not isolated events. These are things that happen and do affect other people and have far-reaching consequences. You know, it, it's interesting how the oil slick has affected so many episodes. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's 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 funny because, you know, I think the show is interested in using family and using relationships in a way to tell things about yeah. these people, right? If you look at back, like, the original series, for example, you know, we knew the Kirk had a brother, but he was dead. Um, you know, we saw Spock's father at some point and his mother, you know, but that was, re- you know, it wasn't like these were, were, um, they were certainly not as fully fleshed out individuals as the people. Kind on the, of archetypes. Um, they're archetypes, right? Exactly. Yeah, more, and, and the, the, even the animated series, the movies and this have done more with Sarek than the original series did. Yeah. And so I think the show is much more interested in, in sort of fully fleshing out these characters as people and telling us about them. And I think it's to that end that the show is sort of going down this road in this season so far. And I think it's good, you know what I mean? Because, you know, we've, we, you know, and not even like if you look at something like Suddenly Human, for example, you know, that was definitely an episode about Picard, about his ambivalence, about children, about his sort of feelings about fatherhood and Wesley and, you know, all of these things. And so, you know, when you get to Legacy and they're able to suddenly quickly say, oh, well, we have to go to this planet and it's Tasha Yor's homeworld. Oh, okay. Why are they mentioning Tasha Yor? What what is happening? And which is interesting even to a degree because we've gotten these kind of glimpses of the home world as this horrible rape gang playground but you know and it's interesting to see the context of that now it is interesting to see the context of it and i i think that they do a really yeah a really good job with it i mean we're told where tashiar grew up 30 years ago and what the planet was like and that puts her character into a much different you know different context yeah yeah and i think also you know i mean you'd be able to answer this for me because you know obviously i i have a lot more knowledge you know of what's happening down the pike than you but yeah. you know it, it, did the planet seem as bad as Tashiar made it out to be you know it, it kind of at this moment in time no but you know I think they make a point you know I think even like Rikers is like oh I thought this would be worse and they basically say like well right now there's two gangs fighting like you know in Tashiar's day there were like a dozen and 
you know, like there was more open warfare. They've done this technology, these sensor things, which, you know, kind of, so basically the sensors alert when there's another, someone from the other team on the, you know, in proximity. So they can't have a full on war. Right. They would be detected instantly. So, you know, when Tosh Yar was young, that was, that was not the case. It right. was a much more violent and much more openly, you know, there, you could have a rape gang, you know, going in. There was no no oversight, no government, really. And, you know, it's it's interesting that, yeah, she, that, you know, that's, that she's not interested in fixing her society. She's interested in escaping it. You know, her sister is, you know, resentful that she did not stay to fix the society, but... You know, they they also make it clear that these two groups in perpetual conflict is not necessarily better. Yeah, and I think you know, there's there's a degree to which the episode I think is probably a little too on the nose about that sort of thing because obviously Tarkana Four and sort of the the coalition and the alliance are supposed to be some sort of like yeah. gangs, and you know, Tar- Tarkana Four is the ghetto or like a bad neighborhood, and Tashiar was able to escape from it. Left or her hell, Russia behind. and the U.S. in the Cold War. I mean, that eh, wouldn't go that it's far. Le- I mean, I, it, it, I, this is not as blatant of a metaphor for that, but at the same time, I think to a contemporary audience, it would have had a resonance. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't really see that there's a lot of like two sides that are really just having a conflict that aren't really there's no real reason for it and it's not really causing any casualties but it's just kind of in the background eh, maybe i don't know i mean i think at this point that was pretty much done i mean this is i think you're pretty much this is 1990 at this point so you know the the, cold war was pretty much over so yeah um, but, but I think, you know, if, anyway. you, if you look at the way that the, the, the planet is structured and you look at the way the city is structured and you look at how people live and, you know, sort of what Tashi Yar told you about it and, you know, how they sort of, uh, they fight and fight, but they never really get anywhere and there's nothing to fight over. You know, it's sort of a, a, a very analogous situation to someone who was able to get out of a bad situation and then ends badly. Right. And, and her sister feels I think betrayed, like yeah. you said, you know, about this and you she's know, not happy about it. And love, and she, yeah. she plays them for fools basically. And the audience for fools. I, I did not, I got taken in, I will say. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Cause I, you know, I, you knew what was I coming, did yeah. cause I knew what was coming, but you know, she's very good at it. Well, and you know, that's the thing. I mean, Picard even says like, you know, we, he essentially takes some of the blame on their feelings for Yar. Like they're going to say, you know, we loved, you know, everybody sees Tasha Yar's sister. What was her name? Ashara. Ashara. Everyone kind of sees Ashara as almost a replacement Tasha in a little bit of a way. I mean, it's not, it's kind of a subtext of the episode. It's not something that they speak about all the time, but several characters, you know, Data especially mentions, you know, oh, you have the same expression on your face. You know, they make some, there are, you know, a couple of comparisons to her, you know. And Were you surprised that Ashar and Dave didn't hook up? I was, actually. <laughs> I kind of thought, you know. Like, I mean, that, that's where they was going, you know. Was, yeah. You know, she was, if she had to stay, if there was another day, uh, you know, in the episode, you know, maybe it would have. Um, again, you have data implying that it went on for a few more times, but... Um, yeah, everybody kind of expects that, well, we can't have Tasha Yar back, but, you know, her sister's kind of the next best thing, and we can, you know, 
we can do it right this time. You know, maybe we didn't get as close to Tasha as we wanted to. Now we, you know, if we can't tell Tasha how we feel, maybe we can feel the same for this. You know, they're all, they're all, I think there is definite element of maybe we could do, you know, again, this is, she's a replacement and that kind of does half of the Shara's work for her, frankly. Uh, Yeah, I think that's true. They're predisposed to trust her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's, like you said, there's some guilt involved there as well. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, this, this may be a little meta, but I think one of the, one of the things that the episode is doing is, is sort of constructing an alternate version of Tasha, which is, is more in line with the third and fourth season version of these characters than the first or second season version, if you know what I mean, where, where the Tasha Yar that we saw you know, was was one thing in the same way that the first season of a version of Riker, the first season version of War for Data, or anybody was was definitely elements of who that character became yeah. in the later, better seasons are there. But you know, we didn't get to see really the the third or fourth season version of Tasha, except in that one episode. So, yeah. I think that there's a degree to which the show is sort of cheating a little bit and saying well tasha yar was this very vibrant life you know brought a lot of life to the ship and you know everybody really liked her and she was friends with Worf, and she was friends with Riker, and she was friends with data and perhaps they had a a short-lived romantic relationship and you know we never really saw a lot of that we saw a little bit of it but mostly in skin of evil mostly in skin of evil yeah exactly and so I think that the show a little bit is trying to sort of reconstruct that in a way and say that, that yeah. Tasha Yar was a much more important part of the ship than, than than we saw, perhaps. And it gives kind of a different reason to her personality. I mean, the, you know, I love that, I loved that scene when Picard is talking to Ashara and, you know, she's saying, oh, she was a coward. She was, you know, and like, and Data says, like, I've never heard anybody call, you know, Tasha Yar a, ca- a coward before. Like, that's the... You're the first person that ever said this, you know, and Picard said, look, whatever she, you know, whatever she did on this planet, you know, whatever her past was, when she was in Starfleet, she was always, you know, she was one of the bravest people we've ever seen. And, you know, we, we've seen her do her job fairly well, you know, uh, you know, it, it, even it, if there's a bit of retconning in this episode that she was, she did it better than we saw. If perhaps in everybody's memories, they remember her as a little bit, you know, shining a little brighter than she did, you know, whatever. But the point is she's, you know, he says like, I, he, he just specifically says, I wish you could have seen the woman that she became. I mean, I think Picard even acknowledges that maybe this was an act of cowardice, her leaving the planet. Maybe she was abdicating her responsibility. Maybe that was something that she did. You know, if if even if she did that, that doesn't change who she grew to become. And that doesn't, yeah. you know, for Ashara, this kind of, that kind of transgression was the worst and nothing could fix that. And Picard is saying, no, she's, she did so much more after that and she shouldn't be limited to that one act. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I, I think that that's the one moment in the episode, except for the end, when Ashara is really telling the truth. And I think she really does feel that way about Yar, or about yeah. Tasha Yar. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. wh- what I think is what I think is funny about that is, of course, the fact that, you know, Tasha Yar wanted to take her sister and, yeah. and said so. You know, Ashara even said that Tasha wanted to take her away. And, you know, uh, why does Ashara feel like that? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, why does she want to stay there? It's Well, it's her home. She feels comfortable there. You know, I this mean, is I, the only life she's known. And I think there's an element of that there, certainly. And I think she, I, I think there's a degree to which 
Ashara does kind of recognize that. Like, that's the thing. Ashara, when when Troy reads Ashara, she says her loyalties are conflicted, you know? Yeah. And that is, you know, she is a bit seduced by the Federation because I think when, you know, I think she realizes that, you know, let's let's use the word feelings for a second, you know, here. Data's feelings towards her are genuine and he genuinely does like her and, you know, he everybody does, you know, does seem to appreciate her and what she's doing and, you know, she's being given more of a choice in her career on the fit in the Federation than she is in her home. And I think she might even resent. I think that maybe even gets I think she initially is able to use the Federation because she feels that they took her sister. From yeah. Her. And yeah. I think towards the end, I think she feels a bit resentful for the Federation because it was the better choice. She did make the wrong choice by staying on the staying with her people you know there there's she should have made the choice to go with her sister and at this time i think even as she's making the choice to stay home she's realizing that betraying the federation is the wrong thing she's realizing that they would take her back in a heartbeat yeah i think so and i i think you see that at the very end of the episode you know when she tells data that you know they were developing some sort of friendship you know and you know we haven't talked a lot about the data stuff and i i think maybe that's something we should move into because yeah. you know the the episode, I think, you know, this isn't just one character's episode. I think in a lot of ways, this is about the, the, the crew as a whole and yeah. their feelings about Tashiar. And, you know, I like the fact that the show refuses to forget her. And I like the fact that the show is, you know, continuing to engage with her death. I'm surprised they didn't show the Yar Cube, by the way. Um, there could have been an, I mean, I thought at one point, like he was going to say, you know, this is what she looked like. Cause I think, you know, Ashara doesn't even know what she ha- hasn't even seen a picture of her. I think the only reason they didn't is probably just because yeah. they've done it a couple times before, yeah. you know, and it kind of was like overkill. Maybe that's kind of the, that's kind of the sense I get where it's like, you know, we've seen it, you know, once or we've seen it twice. So it's kind of like, fair. all right, we don't need to see it again. And it's not um, like, you know, I guess if they had had an extra minute to. But in the show, that would have been a nice thing. But, you know, right. it, it didn't, you know. Right, exactly. So, you know, but I, I, I think that, you know, Data is sort of, I don't think it's a Data episode. I think it's 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 a crew episode. But I think Data is the embodiment of how the crew is feeling about Ashara, if that makes sense. Yes, I, th- I think I agree with you. And if, if this is an ensemble episode, he's the lead of the ensemble. Yeah. And and they sort of have talked about Data's friendships and his emotions and things like that. And, you know, people have doubted that he doesn't have yeah. emotions. And I think that this is another one of those episodes that makes it very ambiguous about it, you know, yeah. where he keeps the, the little bomb in her chest at the Every, very end. They, and he's, he describes how his emotions work in a few times in this episode. You know, when she asks, you know, but you're an android, you know, he said, well, I get used to people. I get accustomed to people, you know. If you weren't on the ship, I would miss your presence. You know, I everything he's talking about feelings doesn't, you know, even though he's describing them in in these very logical terms, it isn't that different from what feelings actually are, if you know what I mean. Like, well, what is friendship beyond you like having a person around and, you know, you enjoy each other's presence and you like to talk? Like, what what is what does data have out of friend? What does data not have out of friendships that like you and I have like that? That's that's, I think he's, you know, hate. No, there is that, um, you know, at the end when he goes to Riker and he's saying, you know, I, well, you know, I'm still, you know, missing a you know, I'm seeing, you know, and, and he says, but you know, 
I'm glad, you know, and Data basically says, like, well, I don't have emotions. And, like, the you know, the answer that Riker gives is essentially, as the subject of you and I both know, that's kind of bullshit because, you know, Data is worrying about this. He is obsessed over this. He is not. He I don't know if he's con- a- I don't know if he's obsessed. He's but. he's bothered enough by it that he needs to go into Riker's office to get some closure in this episode. Yeah. He is bothered by enough by it that the fact that he keeps this as a memento. Again, we've been – the show has established that keeping mementos of people is a very human trait, quote-unquote. And Data does not – you know, Data's not crying everywhere. He's not unable to function because of his mourning, none of those things, but he is still mourning. Yeah, I think he's, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he still he still mourns Tasha Yar. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a degree to which yeah. any any friendship or relationship that, that may or may not have developed between him and Ashara would have always been sort of a, a comforting of, of, yeah. of the loss that they both share, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, that, you know, I think that this that's something This is kind of that, losing Tasha again. Yeah, I think so, you know, and, and I think that's why it's so difficult for data to accept as well because he's not accustomed to having these emotions brought up again like this right he's learning about this i mean yeah certainly people have mentioned tasha yar to him and um you know for example in measure of a man they they said they bring her up but there's there's a different degree to which you get reminded of someone you've lost when you meet someone that was related to them or someone that was close and you lose them exactly so i think that's something new for him i think that's why he has to go to Riker. i also think it's interesting that he goes to Riker and not somebody else you know because data and Riker don't generally have that kind of relationship no so what does that mean i I don't know but and i think to a degree he's kind of going to you know he could have eas- just as easily gone to warp. I think he needed to talk to somebody who was as close to Yar as he was. Yeah, and also somebody who had a beard. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the thing about Ashara at the end of the day is that there's really not much of a reason why she would go back to the planet aside from some sort of misplaced sense of obligation, you I, know? I think... I don't think she feels like she has freedom. I think she, you know, she 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 says about the bomb, like, oh, once you've made, picked a side, you pick it for life. And, you know, I, I think even though she has the bomb removed, she doesn't feel like she can, you know, she hasn't always sold her soul. Yeah, yeah. And she gets this glimpse of the Federation and a glimpse of a different life. And, you know... I guess the tragedy of this episode is that she feels she does not have the choice. Again, even as late as when she's holding the phaser at Data, if she had said, you know, I don't want, I do want to join the Federation, you know, and they turned it off together, there would be no questions asked. She would be forgiven and welcomed with open arms and given a position in the regular cast list, like if she wanted it. That was genuine, but it's the fact that she. She trusts the wrong people. She falls in with the wrong people. She makes the wrong decisions. She chooses this stupid and futile war over something that's actually for something. And, I mean, ultimately, Ashara is a very self-destructive character. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I think the episode is, is really hinging on this idea of trust and what it means to trust yeah. people, right? And so you have Ashara playing 
playing the trust that the crew has, the affection and the trust that they yeah. had in Tasha Yar, they're trusting Ashara, right? And they, they kind of get played for fools, but they still are open to trust. And I think that's what that, that final conversation between data and Riker yeah. is about, you know, this, this is a crew that, and this is a, they're from a, a society and a, and a civilization that, you know, places a lot of trust and places a lot of goodwill. I mean, I don't think yeah. it's incidental that Ashara says that she's never really known anyone who would do something for someone else without expecting anything in return. And that is, and I, and that's Starfleet in the Federation in a nutshell. And the answer that data gives where he says, you know, like, no, I am getting something in return from this. Like I got to hang out with you. And you know, that almost drives the knife in further. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, cause he's, you know, you know, what she's obviously saying is, you know, you do this and pay me, you know, 50 bucks or, you know, you do this, but then you're doing this favor for me, you know, and he thinks of his re- his reasons as selfish when it's just, I really like you and you're a, you know, you're fun to be around, which is as sweet and selfless of a thing as you can say, you know? Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think that, you know, Ashara is a very psychologically damaged person, yeah. obviously, and she's not able to trust. And I think that's a large reason why she's not able to react to the genuine feelings of, of, of goodwill that the crew has for her. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, at the end of the episode, you know, Picard's speech about how he, you know, how she, he, she um, you know, sort of used their trust against yeah. them is a little too on the nose. And I, I, yeah. I don't think that part of the episode was really needed you know i think you, we, it was we all got it, 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 it was for the bottom 10 percent just to make sure that they got it <laughs> yeah but it's like the show doesn't dumb There's itself people down. watching the show in alabama come on right but the but no, the, I show, know. the show doesn't doesn't dumb itself down that much you know one of the one of the things that i'm finding really interesting about the next generation in general re-watching it from the beginning is that it's it's a very subtle show well, in a lot of ways. Let me put it this way. Like, a, you know, what I'm thinking about is the opening scene, which is about poker and is about bluffing and is about, you know, risking and lie, you know, and all of those things. And obviously that's a metaphor for the entire episode. Sure, you know, yeah. Is it worth risk? But, you know, if it had been like it, it's not like Riker said, you know, do you remember the other day when we were at the poker game and I was trying to bluff you and, you know, like, yeah, they could have done, you know. They don't do that. No, they don't. They assume that we'll get it. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, the final thing I want to say is, um, you know, I'm not sure if this episode is trying to say anything about familiarity because I don't, they, they would not, frankly, they would not have trusted someone who wasn't related to Tashi no. nearly as much. And that was used against them, you know, and, and, and I think there's a level of trust that the Federation has. They gave her a bit more than what they would normally give. And it turned out to be a bad idea. I, I'm not really sure if they're supposed to, if we're supposed to do anything well, with I mean, that, like, but I think it's interesting that when they first meet her, everybody's saying, you know, well, she could be a plant and like, and I love, um, I love Dr. Crusher when, um, and Char was like, look, you can. You know, she walks in and she says, look, you don't think I'm really Tasha Yar. You know, you could DNA test me. And, you know, Chris is like, oh, I'm planning on that. You know, I'll yeah. see you in sickbay after the meeting. Have fun. You know? And there's no, there's no malice there. No, it's but just... she says it a little smugly. I like it. But just like, look, if you like Crusher says it to the look, if you're bullshitting us, we are going to catch you in about 10 minutes, you know. I get, But it's... there's the unspoken thing that the only possibility is that she's her sister and trustworthy or – She's lying and completely untrustworthy. There's no... There's no middle ground. Yeah, there's no... She's really her sister and she's lying through her teeth. Like, that doesn't even seem to 
you know, gel because they think, right. a, you know, they think Yar is an honest person who loves Federation, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And and it turns out that that was, of course, incorrect. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because you've got this weird line where the the characters are really portrayed as, as, as not being naive. And I think there's a level to which, you know, Star Trek in general, we've seen this a lot of times before, you know, sort of, I think... People are assuming that the Federation or assuming that Starfleet is is going to be a bit more naive than they actually are. These yeah. are not naive people. These are not stupid people. They're with it. They know what they're doing and they know how to read people. But their their failing is is a a sense of community in a sense, and and they yeah. want everybody. You know, they they assume that everybody is in their community and wants to be a part of it eventually or now. And they don't really, they, it's not that they don't understand why people wouldn't join the Federation, but it's more just they kind of have a blind spot about it. Like they're having such a good time yeah. that they can't really, fa- they you can't know, really we, realize why no one else would want to be the in The Federation there. views this about itself, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the others almost seem to view, this This is a society that seems to view the Federation's, tr- that it views trust as a sign of weakness. It views love as a sign of, you know, naivete. And so they see a federation which is based on trust and peace and you know you know people can understand each other and diplomacy and they see those as signs of weakness when i mean the show is very very clear that that is where the federation gets its strength the fact that it does you know allow people the freedom to pursue their own goals and to work together and it gives them frameworks for you know again the the federation has ridden into itself as much as it can and at least this incarnation of the Federation, because I, from what I've been told about Deep Space Nine, it kind of goes into this a bit. Yeah. Um. This this incarnation of the Federation at least does draw its strength from the fact that everybody likes each other and was working towards this as the same positive goal. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, I'll give this one uh, six fusion reactors. This was an eight. I really liked this one. Okay. Well, next week we are talking about reunion and Future Imperfect. So we'll see you then. Star Trek.